Hey y'all, welcome to Brianna Approved, a podcast for people who like a holistic approach to real science and clinical research on all things nutrition, botanicals, and balance. I'm your host, Brianna DiOrio, clinical nutritionist, herbal practitioner, and recovering super spaz. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. We are on episode 18 and today we are going to be talking about cognitive flexibility. We will be doing a botanical brie section since it's been a minute since I've gotten into that. We'll talk about go to cola. Then we will head into our nerd alert, which will go over the anterior cingulate cortex, known as the ACC, which deals with basically a bunch of different cognitive functions like emotional expression, how we allocate our attention, how we regulate our mood. And that will tie nicely into our knowledge bite section of the show, which is cognitive flexibility or our ability to go with the flow, having more resilience when life doesn't go your way. And then of course, at the end, I will discuss ways to improve your cognitive flexibility and why having a sense of humor is actually really great for your brain health. So let's get into your fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know the human brain gets smaller as we get older? So as people age, the volume of the brain and or its weight can decline at rates of about 5% per decade after the age of 40. Now, this should come as no surprise because we do know that aging can cause changes to our brain size, to cognition. We know the brain shrinks and can become a bit more vulnerable to cognitive dysfunction. I call this, again, sometimes moments where I experienced this with my parents, where maybe you get frustrated Um, or maybe sad, right? It's kind of weird to see them act in a different way that, that they normally don't. You're not as sharp. We can even have this as well, where we're just, you know, not as on the ball with things, or we take a minute to connect the dots or process things. Again, because, you know, the brain is an interesting organ because it does undergo a lot of development for a really long time, like into your late 40s. Um... And it seems to change more than any other organ. However, around midlife, so again, 30 to 40s, our brain does start to shrink. And unlike other areas of life, size does not necessarily matter when it comes to brain health. There's really no evidence that a larger brain is smarter than a smaller one. There's a very weak correlation between brain size and intelligence. Uh, And neuroscientists in general kind of talk about this idea of being able to have more parts of the brain work more efficiently and communicate each other. And that's kind of what's more indicative of intelligence. So having more synapses in, you know, the brain, which can lead to to more computable capacity. Also, this idea of um, having more gray matter throughout the central nervous system that can kind of, you know, play a role in movement, memory, emotions, all of that. So again, The rate of shrinkage does happen, um, you know, starting around 30 to 40. But again, it doesn't happen to all areas of your brain at once. Some areas shrink more quickly than others. And again, it does get more severe as we get older. But there are things that we can do to support it. Lifestyle stuff, dietary stuff, supplements, sleeping. One of the most important things. I did a whole episode on the glymphatic system and how that's important for your brain. So... 
that's your fun fact. Let's get into the botanical brie section because this is one of my favorite herbs. Botanical brie, we are going to be talking about go-to cola. Go-to cola has a really nice history in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, You know, it's said to have been used by yogis back in the day when they were trying to concentrate during meditation. There's some cool hippy-dippy stuff. It's said to, you know, help align the crown chakra. So again, your crown chakra deals with like this feeling of connection, um, feeling at peace, you know, understanding others, selflessness, this inspiration, right? So, you know, kind of just this emotional health, like how I talk a lot about your emotional heart and your physical heart, you know, we have our physical brain organ, and then we kind of have like the emotional brain, the crown chakra, as they would say it. So, you know, go-to cola has been, been said to help align and awaken the crown chakra. Also said to balance the left and right hemispheres of the brain. In Ayurveda, it's said to be one of the most rejuvenative herbs, again, used historically as a tonic, meaning you'll be taking it for a very long time, in the elderly for increasing things like longevity and memory. However, you don't have to be elderly to use go-to cola. I take it as well, and I think it's helped a lot with, you know, kind of keeping me sharp. Also really nice because go-to cola can support thyroid function. So if you have hypothyroid stuff going on, go-to cola can kind of do that thyroid push because, yes, the thyroid's important for metabolism, but also very important for memory, for cognition, we have, you know, thyroid receptors throughout our entire body. Energetically, we know how important the energetics of herbs are. It's go-to cola is said to be a little bit more cooling and a little bit more on the cooling neutral side. So it's balancing in nature, right? So in, in Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about balancing your doshas. In Vata, they'll say go-to cola can be a bit more calming to the nervous system. Uh, in For those pitta people, it can be more rejuvenative in nature. Maybe you run yourself into the ground. And then for those kapha people, it can help to flush excess. It has an affinity for things like the liver, the spleen, the kidney channels from a Chinese medicine standpoint, which again, when we think about the emotions in Chinese medicine for things like the liver, the spleen, and the kidneys, this deals with stuff like pensiveness, fear, worry, anger. So again, very good for emotional regulation because go-to cola can actually support the limbic brain or the emotional brain. So it can regulate hormonal output. What's also nice is that it does have a lot of these other actions in the body, again, working as a nervine, so working on the nervous system. If you use it topically, it can be vulnerary in nature, so meaning it can help to actually like heal wounds. Um, it has some antipyretic properties, so reducing fever can support the immune system. It can work on some of these inflammatory pathways, in particular the brain. And again, it can support the thyroid and, and help to stimulate it a little bit. And so in Ayurvedic medicine, they will have had used go-to cola for imbalances that were reflected in the head and brain, right? So we might see this as a nervous disorder where we have premature aging, where our cognition isn't where it needs to be. And then again, in Western herbalism, we might see this as mental fatigue, um, decreased cognitive abilities. Now, one of the mechanisms of action for go-to cola is that it can modulate GABA. So one of those neurotransmitters that makes us feel calm and makes us feel relaxed. 
And it also has some really nice anti-aging effects on the brain because what it can do is it can increase neural branching. And so when we think about exercising, building like muscle tissue, neural branching is basically like the brain work, right? So it strengthens the brain, creating some more synapses between our nerve cells. This is also helpful because it can improve uh, the, the body's ability to scavenge free radicals and reduce some oxidative stress, which can cause damage and lead to things like cognition, poor cognition and poor memory. There's also been a little bit of research on GoToCola's uh, ability to process beta amyloid plaque, which when that gets uh, accumulated in the brain, that can lead to things like Alzheimer's, dementia, and again, more of these free radicals. So it's been shown to work in particular on things like um, NF-kappa-B, tumor neurosis factor, alpha, right? So a lot of these prostaglandins, these inflammatory cytokines in the body, that can be a bit more problematic when they start to pile up over time. Um, and again, that can deplete nutrients and uh, to, the, to the body parts that we need, like the brain, like the neurons. So can promote circulation, can promote healthy inflammatory pathways, cognition in general. So go to cola might be one of those things that you want to think about playing around with if you're at a point in your wellness journey where you feel like, you know, health is pretty good and you're looking to kind of just level it up a, a bit. Now for our next portion of the show, we're going to get into nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert today will be talking about the anterior cingulate cortex, also known as the ACC, since it does not just roll off the tongue. So the anterior cingulate cortex, the ACC, this is responsible for a whole host of cognitive functions. So dealing with like how we express our emotions, where we allocate our attention, how we regulate our mood. It's a part of the limbic system of the brain, right? So that emotional brain. And it is involved in processing emotions and regulating our behavior. So it can actually help us to regulate emotions and it's involved in this kind of predictability pattern that our brain loves to do. Like our brain's always trying to predict what's next and will make us avoid negative consequences. So it helps to, you know, regulate that. It also helps on regulating some autonomic motor functions, digestion, heart rate, breathing, pupils, again, all things that we don't necessarily think about, but when our emotions are engaged, there's a difference there, right? Like when we're super emotionally revved up, you might have decreased digestion or your blood pressure might go up or your breathing might get more shallow, your pupils dilate, right? So the anterior cingulate cortex deals with all of that. It has also been implicated in several cognitive functions, again, so like how willing and able you are to be empathetic, how much impulse control you have, decision-making, but what's interesting about the ACC is that it lies in this really unique position in the brain where it actually connects our emotional limbic system and our cognitive prefrontal cortex. So the cognitive prefrontal cortex requires a bit more activation and energy to logically think about things. I did a whole episode, you know, episode 16 of the podcast where I talk about the neuroscience of change and how we have to engage the prefrontal cortex and how this can be difficult as well, again, because we need to make sure that we are regulating our emotions and not having these maladaptive approaches. And a lot of this goes back to what's going on in our ACC. The anterior cingulate 
cortex also has been found to be overactive in people who have difficulty with cognitive flexibility. So cognitive flexibility is what we're going to be talking about in the next portion of the show. But so they have found that this part of the brain is overactive, again, because it deals with how we regulate our emotions and how quickly we can kind of, you know, bounce from one idea to the next and sort of flow with life. And that's knowledge bite section of the show is going to be cognitive flexibility because we know knowledge is your brain's favorite food. So I think it's fair to say that the more flexible we can be in our thinking process and the more we can kind of go with the flow, um, as my mom would say, row, row, row your boat, right? As opposed to, you know, going upstream, we want to kind of go downstream with life, right? Flow with life, flow through what you go through. It's a really important skill for dealing with life's inevitable changes, curveballs that are going to get thrown at us. Uh, Life is a series of problems that we just get better at solving, right, is a quote that's really popular from a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. So this is this idea that we can be, you know, more adjustable and more flexible when new circumstances happen, when we have challenges, when we have situations that that are arising in our life that are out of our control, So this can be whether you're, you know, moving into a new house, you're getting a new job, you're getting married, just things that your brain doesn't know these patterns. And it's like, wait, what's what's going on? So it helps us kind of, you know, kind of get through life, get along better with others as well. And so, you know, for some people, this is, you know, super easy. They they can kind of go with the flow. They can sort of sort of, you know, shift into their new environments and, and they're okay with that, where other people get really stuck on certain thoughts certain behaviors, certain patterns. And this may manifest as somebody who is very stubborn. They're very argumentative. They worry a lot. They get upset when things don't go their way. They do not have the cognitive flexibility that they need to. They're very rigid, right, with their thought process. And their brain, again, kind of keeps going down these same neural pathways. And so how well an individual can adapt another perspective or change your thinking, mentally be flexible, right, to environments, to thoughts, right, how open you can be. This is going to be really important for engaging various parts of the brain to respond to said task, right, whether that task is going to require us to think differently or think outside of the box. Yes, that's going to feel uncomfortable, but how quickly can you kind of navigate into that to that version of what you need to be doing or shift gears, if you will. So this again, it's also important to have cognitive flexibility because this gives us the ability to look at things when maybe we've done something a certain way and it's not leading us to a successful outcome, right? And so this is where your brain can logically say like, all right, it's time to make some changes in order to achieve what we want to do. And so, for example, let's say you normally take the same route to work every day. And then all of a sudden there's like road work there. Are you going to have an absolute mental breakdown and let it ruin your day? Or are you going to say, okay, I got to pivot right now and think of a different way to go. So that's like a very simple example. But for some people who are inflexible with their cognition, again, they might continuously do something banging your head against a door waiting for it to turn into a wall and then it not going the way that you want it to. And you get stuck on that and you ruminate on thoughts and you keep going down those neural pathways, even though you know that you're not getting the successful outcome you want. So when you are more cognitively flexible, you can make the appropriate changes that you need to make 
and adapt to unexpected events. Problem solve. Find a solution. Not waste time worrying about things that are, again, not getting you closer to where you need to go, that aren't aligned with getting you in the right direction. What research has found is that cognitive flexibility is also associated with higher resilience to negative life events and actually having a better quality of life in older individuals. Again, because it would probably be more beneficial for everybody involved if you can have a bit more emotional regulation and cognitive flexibility, again, with not only understanding emotions, but thoughts and intentions of yourself and others, because that allows you to kind of take a step back and let your prefrontal cortex say, okay, what logically do I need to be doing as opposed to just leaning into the amygdala-based, fear-based stuff all the time? And so the opposite of cognitive flexibility would be cognitive rigidity, being super rigid, right? And they've found in a number of mental health disorders like OCD, like major depressive disorder, and even some autism spectrum disorders, that there is more cognitive rigidity. So they're not as flexible, again, because they kind of get stuck on a certain memory or there's a lot of confirmation bias going on. There's a lot of rigid thinking happening. And again, as we get older, we do get fixed in our ways of thinking and we, we kind of struggle to embrace new ideas and we latch on with a death grip to old things, right? And so we kind of shape that to match information we already know as opposed to being open to learning new things and being a bit more malleable. But the good news is, is that you can actually train cognitive flexibility. And so this last portion of the show, we're going to talk about how to improve your cognitive flexibility. So first things first, watching your thoughts, paying attention to your thoughts. There's a book called uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who talks a lot about this, where seeing where your mind's going or actually where it's not going when certain things, patterns, thoughts arise, just paying attention to your thoughts. That's step one, right? Just identifying that it's a thought and kind of, you know, understanding that thoughts and emotions can be very different things sometimes. Next, we want to kind of be a bit more intentional, right? So, When this thought pops up or this problem or this issue of things not going how it used to go or you're trying something again and again and like you kind of keep ending and ending in like a a dead end path, what is it that you're truly trying to know? What is it that you really need to try and solve, right? Like what is it that you need to talk about? So just being intentional with these thoughts that are popping up and kind of creating some categories, creating mental categories for the information and situations that are going to potentially happen ahead of time, but also that are currently happening as as well. Because this allows you to organize kind of your experiencing, right? So almost kind of like creating headlines for mental categories. So like, okay, this is like uh, an environmental thing going on. This is like a relationship thing going on. This is, you know, a family thing. This is a work thing, right? So creating categories, because that allows you to pull up information more quickly later on and say, okay, I used to always respond this way. I was super inflexible this way. And that was always my outcome. How do I change it now? Next, this is probably my favorite thing that I've been doing recently that I have found very helpful is doing kind of like a brain dump, right? So unloading your worries, right? So like literally taking them out of your your mind and 
putting them on paper, writing them down, right? So this frees up more space in our brain to think about other things throughout the day and give us more flexibility. So we're not ruminating on thoughts or going down this like shame spiral. So writing them down, and that can be like, you know, on pen and paper or in your notes in your phone, right, can help quite literally get them out of your head and allow you to physically view them on paper. If you want to take it a step further, if you like write it on paper after you've done this, these next three steps, which I'm going to talk about, you can light it on fire and then like, you know, let it go into the universe or whatever. But when you're writing these thoughts down, when you're doing a brain dump, getting them quite literally out of your head, number one, you want to write down the thought that is stuck in your head or the thoughts, like write all of them down, every single one, as crazy irrational, logical, whatever, write it down. Step two, you want to then write down, what can I do to help offset this thought? So I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm thinking these things. I'm stressed about X, Y, Z. What can I actually do? Try and write down some problem resolutions. And then step three is when you go back through that, things that you have no control over, regardless of problem resolutions, then you have to let that go, right? So it's, the thought that's stuck in your head, writing it down, look at that thought, what can I do to offset this thought? And then of these thoughts, which of these can I actually not control? Or if I can control, go back to step two, what can I do then to offset that? And that can kind of be a good way, like I said, to be a bit more cognitively flexible because that gives you time to reflect and say, oh yeah, I normally Brianna six months ago would have responded this way. And when I did respond this way, I always got this result, and that's not the result I wanted. So it goes back to being intentional, paying attention to your thoughts, what serves you, right? Also, another, I think, low-hanging fruit is physical exercise. There's so much evidence now that talks about, you know, exercise releasing endorphins and opioids and uh, endocannabinoids, all these things that make us, you know, feel good, and it allows your brain to learn and grow. Uh, So, you know, over time, Exercise can increase the size of the hippocampus. It can promote neurogenesis. So all things that can enhance cognitive flexibility. So motion is the lotion. Just get outside. You might even just like feel better when you're thinking as you're moving, right? There's there's actually research that shows that the body is primed to learn while exercising, right? We have more increased blood flow to the brain, all these kinds of things. Next, you want to think about trying to learn something new, learn a new skill, make small changes. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. I mean, you could, you know, learn a new language or, um, you know, try learning an instrument. Just learning new skills in general is really important for mental flexibility. It keeps your mind sharp. It keeps you flexible. It keeps your brain kind of on edge to be like, oh, what's new? This could be literally as simple as taking a different way home from work. Or if you always sit a certain place at the dinner table, sit somewhere else. Or brush your hair with your opposite hand, right? So just like doing things backwards in a different way where your brain has to stop for a second and say, ooh, what's going on? This feels weird. So you're kind of pushing your brain into making new connections. So again, learning something new, trying something different, or just making small changes. And then the last two things I think are probably two of my favorite, um, getting a sense of humor, believe it or not. So quick-wittedness is a sign of cognitive flexibility. So like when we make a joke, this means that we can take a step back and reframe what's currently happening and have bigger picture thinking as opposed to getting caught up in the literal meaning of the situation. So finding humor is a way to exercise your cognitive flexibility 
thinking. Now, obviously, this can also go into like just finding the silver lining or trying to find a positive moment there, right? Finding a way to make a joke of it. Reframing is going to be really important because when something happens again, if your defense or your pattern or whatever is to always just go back into having an emotional freak out or being super negative or whatever it is, that's going to keep reinforcing that reinforcing that neural pathway. So taking a step back and saying like, where can I find some lightness in this really heavy, serious moment might be a good exercise. You don't have to do it all the time. But again, these are all exercises that can promote cognitive flexibility. And then lastly, practicing thought or pattern interruption. This is really important for people who have repetitive thoughts. I am one of these people who I get caught on a thought and I ruminate on it and I I like literally just replay it in my head. And so this is very important for becoming mindful, right? Present mind thinking. Um, thought stopping is, is going to really just bring you back into the moment. And if you have a problem with that, there are two things that have been shown to be really helpful. One of them is using a rubber band on your wrist and snapping it when you find yourself in this negative loop of thinking, right? So like you have this thought, you kind of ruminate on it, you're just like stuck on it, you know, kind of snap yourself back into it quite literally. And then another one that I think is is very helpful as far as a visual cue, guided meditation, whatever you want to call it, is envisioning a red stop sign. So you can literally say to yourself, stop, when you start going down this thought rabbit hole process of again, is this thought pattern serving me? Is how I'm responding right now actually getting me closer to my problem resolution? Is it aligned with where I need to be going? And saying stop out loud, it sounds silly, but it can be helpful. And literally just imagining like a red stop sign. So the more you practice this, the more you might feel control over the thoughts that maybe don't serve you, right? Pro-inflammatory thoughts are just as problematic as pro-inflammatory foods. So really important to get an understanding for that. So I hope everybody practices their cognitive flexible abilities this weekend. Maybe try one of the things that we talked about at the end here, you know, trying something new, doing a a brain dump, paying attention to your thoughts, watching your thoughts, um, you know, anything new, different that's going to be challenging to the brain. And I hope y'all have a great day. This is also on YouTube. If you're a visual learner and you want to watch this episode, there's a shortened version of that on YouTube. Check out my website, briannadiorio.com. I did a cool new revamp and by I did a cool new revamp. I need my brother did a whole new uh, brand identity revamp for me, which is really amazing. So definitely check that out. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. It really helps get out there. And I appreciate all of you. Have a lovely day. Ciao. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Mew.